0: All right, so we are continuing our series in the Apostles' Creed, and so I am preaching a message this morning titled, It Is Finished. It Is Finished. Would you pray with me as we uh, get into God's Word? Lord, we come before you this morning, and I've got to thank you for the privilege of opening your Word and, and blessing your, your people. Lord, I pray that, that we would receive the truth of your Word with a, with a glad heart, with a sincere, true heart. God, I pray that you would help me to open my mouth to preach your word and to exalt Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are going through the Apostles' Creed, and this is the fourth week. And just to refresh our memory about the Apostles' Creed, the Apostles' Creed is the oldest confession of the Christian church. And many of you, if you grew up in the Catholic church, you may have recited the Apostles' Creed every Mass for years growing up. Well, the, the, the Apostles' Creed Is is the oldest confession of the Christian faith, and it's and what a confession is or a creed is is basically uh, declaring what the central truths of our faith is. And so, uh, around three to four hundred A.D., the early church fathers wrote this confession, and and creeds were written throughout. Have been written throughout the centuries. There's uh, other larger confessions that are written that have more detail. They're typically written to to refine and to hone in and focus on what we, on what we believe, but then also to refute false doctrine and false teaching. And so this is the central core behind a creed or a confession. For us to articulate and remind ourselves, refresh our hearts and our memories of what we confess, what does Scripture say about who Jesus is, what he came to do, what he accomplished. And then secondly, to, to push against and push back against error. When you know and you, you study what you believe, then you're able to see Better and more quickly, things that are false. You guys follow? So let's let's look at this section in the, in the Apostles' Creed about the cross of Christ. So by way of, in, of introduction, do you remember back in 2014 the Blandensburg Peace Cross case? So in Blandensburg, Maryland in 2014, there was a, a cross that was constructed. And I've got a picture of it here. This is a memorial cross. And it was constructed in 1925, and the purpose of it was to be a memorial for World War I veterans who died that were from that area. So in 1925, those roads and those streets weren't there exactly like it is now, but this cross was constructed to honor the fallen veterans in World War I. Well, in the 1960s, that property right there became state property. The state bought that property, put roads and and it became property, and that is actually a median around the road there. So needless to say, when it became state property, it became controversial, but it was many, many years before it ever got into the courts. And so in 2014, the American Humanist Society and some citizens got together, and they said, well, you can't have a cross on state property. It's supposed to be separation of church and state. And so they brought a the case to the courts, and, and eventually it made it all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. This case made up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And in 2019, there was a ruling about that cross, whether it could stay there or they had to tear it down. And the ruling came back that they were able to keep that cross there. So in June of 2019, by a 7-2 to two vote, the peace cross was allowed to stay. And, you know, when you're thinking about when I heard that story and I actually was listening to some of the Amy Coney Barrett Uh, uh, trials and Ted Cruz said this story and when he said that story I thought wow that is an interesting story and it really as I'm studying about the cross and thinking about the cross of Christ it's interesting how that people try to erase history this the, the the cross of Christ and what Christ did is something that happened in history that cannot be refuted Jesus literally lived and he literally died on the cross. And for centuries, for over 2,000 years, people have been trying to hide away that truth. Try to ignore the history. Try to cover up the cross. But it stands truer and taller than it ever has. And man can never do away with it. The cross and the work of Christ and, and the image, even the image of the cross and what it represents, can never ultimately be done away with because it stands forever, eternally. Based upon what Christ did for us. The cross of Christ. And this is the section in the Apostles' Creed that we're going to look at. And I want to read the Creed as a way to go back over it. And we're going to highlight three, two sections that we're going to cover. So here's the Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Who was conceived from the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the remission or the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the flesh, and life everlasting. So we're going to look at the part of the creed, and see what Scripture talks about, about Christ's suffering, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried, and we believe in the forgiveness of sins. We're going to cover that section of the creed as well today. We believe in the forgiveness of sins. We're going to look at the cross today, and as our launching point to look at the cross, I want you to look at John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the Scripture, I thirst A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. When Jesus declared, it is finished, he didn't say, it is finished. He said one word in Greek, and it was the word tetelestai, tetelestai. That was the Greek word that he spoke whenever he gave up his spirit. Right before he gave up his spirit and and he died, they didn't take his life from him. He willingly gave up his life. They couldn't take it from him. He laid it down. And so he said, tetelestai, meaning that my work is finished. It is finished. It is done. What does that mean? What does it mean, it is done? It is finished. It is complete. What did Christ Complete. Well, here's a picture of it. The end of Jesus' earthly mission is the starting point of the redemption of all who would believe in Him. The end, when Jesus said it is finished, it was actually the beginning. It was the beginning for, for all of those. Many of you here that have placed your faith in Christ, it is the beginning for you. It's not the end for you. It was the beginning of your faith in Jesus and the forgiveness, the redemption of your life and becoming right With the Holy God. That was the starting point. The end was the beginning. The cross for us as believers is a symbol. Listen, let's think about this. The cross for us as believers is is a symbol of beauty and love. When you look at that cross up here. And I hate to break it to you, but you know what? That's not wooden. I think it's styrofoam. Styrofoam, right Matt? Yeah, styrofoam. Sorry, It, it looks really stately and big and wooden, but it's actually painted styrofoam. When you look at that styrofoam up there. What do you see? You see a cross. But what do you see when you look up there? You see beauty, love, forgiveness, grace, peace. But you know what that really is? It's kind of like, you know, when you wear a cross around your neck, it's kind of like putting an electric chair around your neck. That's what it would be like. Why do we celebrate what the Romans used to torture and publicly humiliate criminals? Crucifixion was what the Romans used to torture and to publicly humiliate and kill criminals. But when we look at it, do you see that? No, you see beauty, grace, peace, forgiveness, joy, the righteousness of God. But this is what the cross is. This is the cross. It is a cross of suffering. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, for the Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. Crucified. We preach of Christ's suffering. We preach of His pain. We preach of His death. We preach Christ crucified, because it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So, what is it that we are confessing when we confess Christ crucified? What is it that we are confessing when we wear the cross around our neck? When we put the cro- a cross, a symbol of cross, on the on the walls of our church or in our house? What are we confessing when we confess Christ crucified? have three things we're going to look at today that we can say, we can see in Scripture, that we confess when we say we believe in Christ crucified. He suffered, he was crucified, he was dead and he was buried. The first confession is, is this, that we confess the cross of Christ was my cross. The cross of Christ was my cross. Jesus died for me. This is fundamental To the gospel. This is fundamental to the Christian faith. Substitutionary atonement. Sins had to be atoned for, paid for, and God did it through a means of substitution. Substitutionary atonement is central to the Christian faith. That the cross is a picture of substitution. The cross is a picture when you look at it and you see it and you put it around your neck and you look at it on the wall every Sunday here. You should see substitution that that cross, the cross of Christ, was my cross. I deserved the death that Jesus received. I deserved the suffering that he went through. I deserved the pain, the agony, the beard ripped out, the spitting on, the, the spear in the side. The crown of thorns, the mocking, the putting on of the purple robe to mock him and say that, 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 that you you are the you say you're the son of God and you're royalty and you're a king and they, they were mocking him and ridiculing him. The cross of Christ was my cross. Look at first Peter. For Christ also suffered once for sins. Listen, the righteous for who? The righteous for the unrighteous that's the cross of christ it was my cross look at romans 5 for while we were still weak at the right time christ died for the ungodly the godly the righteous for the ungodly for one will scarcely die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die but how does god want to demonstrate his love what does he want us to see when we see the cross He wants us to see that God shows his love for us in that while we were his enemies, when we were sinners, Christ died for us. The cross is my cross. And in Isaiah chapter 53, the prophet Isaiah wrote this 700 years before the birth of Christ. Not just his death, but over 700 years before Christ was born, this prophecy was recorded in Isaiah, by Isaiah, Isaiah 53. Some call it the first gospel. Surely, He has borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Why was He pierced? Why was He crushed? For our transgressions. The cross of Christ is my cross. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds, we are healed. All we. Like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Christ. What? Who, who, has what the Lord laid on Christ? The iniquity of us all. Of us all. In verse 10, one of the most powerful verses in Isaiah 53, it says this. For it was the will of the Lord to crush him. Why was it the will of the Lord to crush the innocent son of God? For me. The cross of Christ is my cross. This is what we say when we confess the cross. This is what we say when we wear the cross around our neck. This is what we say when we, when we sing about the cross. We're singing, we're saying, we're declaring, we're confessing that, Lord, I know, I see that, that it was my cross. It was my suffering. It's what I deserved. It was my debt that you paid my debt. It was for me. It would kind of be like this: You commit a crime. You commit a crime against someone else. You sin against them. You hurt them physically, and you get arrested for your crime. And you go. The court date gets set. You show up at court. You come in handcuffs. They 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 bring you in. You get handcuffs, ankle bracelets, and you're, you're you're coming in. And they sit you down. And the trial is over. The verdict has come. You're guilty. And the judge is gonna bring the sentence and he 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 swings his gavel down and hits his desk and he says, guilty as charged, and here's your sentence. You're sentenced to life in prison. You're the guilty person, but the person you send against is there in court and he stands up. The person that's been sending against stands up and says, Wait, no judge, no judge. No, I'm taking his place. I'm taking his place. I will go to jail for life for him or for her. This is what the cross is when we see it. The cross was my cross. Christ took my place. The gospel is not a rehabilitation message. We can't be rehabilitated on our own. We can't get it done on our own. The cross of Christ is a rehabilitation. It's not a rehabilitation. It's a transformation. It's a transformation moment. When the innocent Son of God takes our punishment that we deserved, and when we place our faith in that work, we we can be made brand new, brand new because of what He did for us. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we 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 like we we don't like substitution. We we're we, in America. We like to get it done, don't we? I don't need somebody to do something for me. I'm going to pull up my bootstraps and I'm going to get it done. I've been watching the NLCS. Baseball series. I've watched every game so far. And it's because the Atlanta Braves are playing in it. And they're playing in the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the Braves have to win today. Anybody, any, any Braves fans? Any Dodgers fans? Any baseball fans? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like the Braves. But you know when the, a pitcher starts to pitch bad? they go And they're going to bring in a substitute, right? But that pitcher that's in there, he does not want to come out. I've never seen a pitcher leave when he gets substituted out where he's happy about leaving. Why? Because he thinks it's the next pitch. I can do it the next time. I can make it happen. I can fix it. I'm going to get it done. That's not Christianity. Christianity is you need to be substituted. You're going you're to throw the ball over the catcher's head every time. we got to have a substitute. The cross of Christ is my cross. That's what we confess When we confess the cross, when you look at that picture, it's a picture of substitution, a picture of the son of God taking your place. It's not just jewelry to wear and 10 karat gold. It's a reminder of our suffering savior. Do you remember the suffering of Christ? Reading in the gospels, you remember the suffering of Christ. You look at back at the garden of Gethsemane when Christ suffered. It says that he wanted to go pray Finished the last supper. He told his disciples, I'm going to have to suffer. And they didn't understand. And so they're sleepy because it's nighttime. But Jesus, his soul is in anguish. And he goes to pray. And it says that he was in so much anguish in his soul that when he was sweating, that his, he was actually sweating drops of blood. Something medically that just cannot happen. If it does, you're at the point of death. And Jesus was in such anguish in his soul. Because he knew the suffering. He knew the spitting and the, and the crown of thorns and the pulling of the beard. And, and scripture tells us that he was marred more than any other man. That he was unrecognizable. Was he male? Was he female? His body was ripped to shreds. And he knew that that was coming. And the cro- what the cross says is, what the cross speaks to, what we see in scripture. Is that it was a substitutionary work that he did on behalf of sinful humanity. That's what the cross speaks to. And that substitution that he did, that sacrifice, he was following in the, the, the pattern that God established. God established that without the, the, the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sins. And so for the nation of Israel, God established a sacrificial system where a spotless, innocent lamb at Passover every year was sacrificed for the sins of the nation of Israel. And Jesus followed in that pattern. He stepped into it as the once for all sacrifice. It was a final sacrifice it wasn 't he was going to sacrifice and then, and then after his sacrifice then then, then then we get to try to figure it out on our own and, and make it on our own and sacrifice some more. No, it was a final once for all sacrifice that 's what Hebrews 10 says, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins it 's never a complete work it was never it was never meant to be complete. The Old Testament sacrificial system was meant to point to Christ, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down. It is finished. Tetelestai, it's finished. When he made the sacrifice, that's why he said, it's done. One time. Waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool. For a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Single sacrifice, once for all time. And that sacrifice was for me. It was for you. The cross of Christ is my cross. Is that your confession today? The cross was my cross. Jesus Jesus satisfied the wrath of God on my behalf. One final sacrifice that does not need to be added to. A perfect and complete work accomplished by the innocent son of God. The innocent for the guilty. The righteous for the unrighteous. That's what we confess when we confess the cross. The second thing we confess today is that the cross of Christ is the only means of forgiveness. The cross of Christ was my cross, but the cross of Christ also is the only means of forgiveness. We know this when you study scripture. We've been talking about it this morning. Romans 3 says that we've all sinned. We all have sinned and we've all fallen short of God's standard of perfection. The standard of the law. Psalm 143 says, no one living is righteous. First John 1.9 says, if we say we have no sins, we make God a liar and the truth is not in us. So if you say that you have no sin, you, you're a liar. And the truth doesn't dwell in you, is what 1 John says. We are sinners. Ephesians 2, you were dead. We're not just sinners, we're dead sinners. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. This is who we are. Apart from Christ, Psalm 51, Psalmist David said, Behold, I was brought forth, I was born in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Born with the stain of sin, born under the curse of sin, with a propensity towards sin. And so, the only way that we can be forgiven is through the cross of Christ. That's what we confess. We confess that it was my cross. He was paying the penalty for me so that I can be forgiven. So that when we look at that cross when we put the cross around our neck or sometimes we wear it on a ring, when we look at that cross, it is a picture of the fact that we can be forgiven. We can be cleansed. Isn't that good news? We don't have to carry the weight of guilt in our life. We can be forgiven. Our past can be washed clean. Man-made religion and self-effort does nothing to deal with our guilt before a holy God. It does nothing to deal with the the deep-seated guilt that people feel in their heart and in their life, that they try to atone for, try to make better for, try to make restitution for. I want to make better, I want to do better. Like the tax collector that Jesus talked to. Jesus, Jesus said, Jesus, He was trying to make restitution, but that's not, that's not what salvation is. It's not making restitution. It's the fact that Christ made restitution for us. Now we can be forgiven. Only through the through the sacrifice on the cross can sin be forgiven and removed forever. Only through the cross can the guilt be washed away, the heavy weight lifted. The condemnation that was over our head can be gone forever, it can lose its power. Look at Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I love that picture. He's abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide. He, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. What a powerful statement. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Our rebellion. Our disobedience, our lust, our anger, our greed, our harsh words, our selfishness, our lying, all of our unrighteousness can be forgiven. God can cleanse us and wash us clean and we can be forgiven. The the power of sin can be broken in our life. And because of these things, because of our disobedience, our lust, our anger, our greed, because of who we are intrinsically, we stand condemned and guilty. But through Christ, through the cross, what does Romans 8 say? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Christ. To those who have placed their faith in Christ, that condemnation that was over your head, you remember back to the picture I gave you, the judge with his gavel in the court? We stand condemned. But in Christ, there's no more condemnation. We can be forgiven. Amen? The record of debt that stood against us has been nailed to the cross. Look at That's what Colossians 2 says. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Wow. That's just amazing. How gracious is our God, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us. With its legal demands, this he set aside. How did he set aside the legal demands of condemnation that stood against us? By nailing it to the cross. The cross of Christ, when we look at the cross, we confess that it is the only means for the forgiveness of sins. And to have peace with God. It was my cross, he did it for me. Because I am guilty. And when I look to him in faith, I can be forgiven. Amen? That's what scripture teaches You remember a story, there's a book written by Nathaniel Hawthorne. It was a fiction, it was a novel. It was called The Scarlet Letter. You guys ever read that book? You ever heard of that book? The Scarlet Letter? The Scarlet Letter was about a woman named Hester. A woman named Hester. Hester committed adultery and had a baby out of wedlock with a local small town pastor, priest. And she didn't want to expose him to shame. So she had the baby out of wedlock. And just took the shame. And the Scarlet Letter, it's a long book, it's a long story. But basically the heart of it is, is that she had to wear a letter, A, that was red. She had to wear it on her clothes. That wherever she went, that letter A, that red A, that Scarlet Letter, stood for adulteress or adultery. And that was what marked her. That was what people knew her for. She was shamed. She was marked by her sin. And wherever she went when she went to church, when she went around town, wherever she went, she had that scarlet letter on her, that crimson A that stood for adulteress. And that was what stood against her. You know, there's a a story in John chapter eight of Jesus interacting with a a woman who had a scarlet A. You guys remember the story in John eight of the woman caught in the act of adultery? I wanna read it to you. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This is what they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go from now, go now from now on and sin no more. What is Jesus telling this woman with the scarlet letter of adultery over her life? He's looking at her and he's telling her that in me, through me, this is how you will have no condemnation. That if you will look to me, if you will look to me, there's no condemnation. If you look to the law, listen, he's telling her, he he knew the law says she was guilty and needed to be judged. And if you look to the law, yes, you're guilty, you are condemned as charged. But if you look to me, there's no condemnation. I am the source of forgiveness. And this is the gospel message. We all have a scarlet letter. What's your, what's your letter? It stands over our heads. It is what Colossians 2 says. It is, it is what is the charge against us. And it is only through the cross of Christ that that scarlet letter can be wiped away, can be cleansed. Maybe you're here today and you're carrying on you the weight of, this, of the sin of your past on your shoulders. You're living with the burdens of your past failures. You carry them around like heavy burdens and you think I can never be forgiven God can never forgive that I've done too much I've gone too far God will never forgive me I'm here today to tell you that if you are in Christ you are forgiven if you're in Christ you are forgiven if you're not in Christ yet you can you can place your faith in him today and you can be forgiven today you can be forgiven today can be you can be cleansed today the burden and the guilt that you've been trying to get rid of all these years, can be cleansed and lifted in a moment, the moment of your faith. Isaiah 118 speaks of a scarlet letter. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Amen? Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. This is our confession. When we look at that styrofoam cross up there, when we look at the cross around our neck or on our finger, when we see it, we see it driving down the road of I love. I, I want to put a big, ginormous cross to this side of our property. Maybe one day we'll be able to do it to where, and everyone drives by Highway Ninety, they see this huge, towering cross. When we see a cross, what do we see? We see, and we confess that it was my cross, and that is the only means. For forgiveness of sins. And finally today. This is the third thing we're going to confess today about the cross. Finally the cross of Christ is the grounds of our righteousness before God. It was my cross. He took my place. Through him I can be forgiven. And through him and through the cross. Through his sacrifice I can be justified and declared righteous. It is the only grounds. It is the grounds of our righteousness before God. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, this is again that first confession. For our sake, he made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, the innocent for the guilty, who knew no sin, so that in who? In Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. all right, you failed the test like the first service did. That was your moment. If you are going to amen, if you are going to clap, if you were going to shout, that was the moment. I just, you don't have to do it just, just to do it, but that's the moment right there. He made, God made him, Christ, sin for our sake so that we can, in him, become the righteousness of God. Wow, I can become something that I could never be on my own. How amazing is that? I can become the righteousness of the innocent son of God. Just go back to that courtroom scene. That innocent person that took your place. In Christ, you can become as innocent as that person. You become their very righteousness. In Christ, we get the righteousness of God on our behalf through the cross of Christ and, his, and faith in and His work, we become the righteousness of God when Christ looks at us on that day, on that final day, that day of judgment, when we stand before the Lord, what is our defense? Well, I tried hard, Lord. I went to church a lot. I paid tithes and I volunteered at the pumpkin patch and I, I did really good. I tried to throw a strike every time. That's not, that's not, that's not what... What needs to be said, our only boast is in the cross of Christ. And when you stand in his work and what he accomplished, when the Lord, the the, the judge of all the earth looks at you, he'll see Christ. He'll see Christ. So if you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your past is gone. Your past is gone. You are brand new. If you're carrying around weight and guilt from past sins in, in your life, you need to be reminded today that you are brand new. And the devil cannot condemn you anymore if you're in Christ. When you're his, you're his. He has your life. You belong to him. It's not a transformation process and then you mess it up and He's got to transform you again and make you brand new again. No, when you're brand new, you're, when you're born again, you're born again. Made brand new. Now, now, do we have quirks and habits and things the Lord has to work out? Absolutely. That's called sanctification. It's because, that's called be- becoming more conformed to the image of Christ. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you stand condemned. That's what we confess. That's what the cross says, that the cross was my cross. And that if I'm going to be forgiven, we confess that it's through the cross of Christ that I can be forgiven. And if I place my faith in him, I can become the righteousness of God. I can become a new creation in Christ. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 says earlier before verse 21. It says, he, he who is in Christ is a new creation. The old's gone, the new has come. The old man's buried. Our old sinful nature's been put to death at salvation. So the apostle Paul says, look at this, he says in Philippians 3, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I love what Romans 5 says as well. Therefore, as one trespass, speaking about Adam's trespass, led to condemnation for all of us, so one act of righteousness, which is Christ's act, leads to justification in life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. We're all born in sin now because of Adam's sin. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. I, I, I love this. But where sin increase, grace abounded all the more. Amen? Where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. So what do you see when you see the cross? Somebody in the first service said styrofoam. <laughs> but well, what do you see when you see the cross? We see substitution. We see suffering. We see forgiveness. We see justification. We're justified just as if we never sinned. We see righteousness. That through faith in Christ, we become the righteousness of God. That's what we see when we see the cross. We see love and we see grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And when we look at that cross, what else do we see? We see it is finished. It's done. Amen. Amen. Let's take communion. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? you don't have your communion cup you can go to the tables there the ushers will help you go to the back center there they, they have some communion cups if you didn't have one when we take communion it is a believer's celebration communion is a celebration of the saints where we remember what he's done for us so i encourage you if you placed your faith in christ here today to celebrate with us what a great what a great time as we have pondered and thought about the work of Christ on the cross to end our, end, our, end, our, end our message with remembering and celebrating his work for us. Well Lord we do thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for what these elements represent. This wafer Lord, we know that it represents your body. It's what you said as often as you do this, do it in remembrance. And you said that this, this bread, this wafer, it was your body that was broken for us. So Lord, as we take this wafer, Lord, we are remembering the suffering that you took for us, that you took our place. So Lord, today we take this wafer and we do it in remembrance of your suffering on our behalf. Lord, we thank you for what this juice represents here today. It represents your blood that was shed for us. That we can be forgiven because of the shedding of your blood. We can be made cleansed. We can be made clean and cleansed. So, Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. May we never take it lightly. May we never just pass over this as routine and ritual. May we glory in your cross. We take this in remembrance of you today. you bow your heads with me this morning before I close in prayer? If you're here today and, and, and you have not confessed Christ, when you look at a cross today, you, don't, you, you, don't, you hadn't seen yourself. You hadn't seen that that was your cross. And, and you know you need forgiveness and you know you need cleansing, but you've never confessed Christ. And you know you don't stand righteous before God and you're carrying a weight of guilt on your shoulders today. And you want to confess the Lord Jesus today. You want to make him the Lord of your life. You want to repent of your sins and turn your back on the ways of the world and of, of the devil, Satan. And you want to confess Christ thats you here today. Can you lift your hand? Is there anybody here today that you want to confess Christ today? Anybody? Anybody here today you want to say yes to Jesus being the Lord of your life? Anybody like that? Amen. Amen. I want you look up at me. If that was you here today, you raised your hand, you didn't raise your hand, but you're going to confess Christ today as your Lord. We want to talk to you some more. There will be somebody at the welcome desk there in the foyer. You're going to have two books that I want to give you, and they can, they can talk to you about your decision to follow Christ. One of them is called What is the Gospel? And it goes into further detail about what I basically preached about this morning and what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. And then there's another book called Training How Do I Grow in My Faith. So this is our gift to you. If you're confessing Christ or, or you're a new Christian and you would like these books, you can go contact uh, the person that will be there at, at the welcome desk. They'll take down your information and they'll give you these books. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for a beautiful, a beautiful picture of who you are and what you've done for us. God, I pray that we would live under the weight of that reality of your work for us and what you've done for us. God, I pray that it would cause us to love you more, to worship you more, to serve you with all of our life. We thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, bless your people today. Pray that we'd have a great time today as we spend time with our family. Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. See you next week.